right in here. Right there. Right there. Can you find the spot? Right there. That's your spot. It has your name on it. I can see it there. Okay, right there. That's the spot. Good. Okay, everybody look at me. You can sit. You can see my eyes. Oh, good. Then I know you're listening to me. Oh, good. My problem is you can all look at me all at the same time, but I can't look at all of you at the same time, so I have to look around. That's why I thought if we got scrunched up here, I don't have to walk way over there to look at you and walk way over there to look at you. I can look at you right here. All right, let's review from last night, first of all. What was all that jar business? Remember the jar business? <laughs> okay. What was the jar business all about? Yes. Okay, the idea of being in Adam and then being in Jesus, right? Just like, uh, just like Porky Pig, the outer space porky, porky Pig was in the jar. And he represented us, right. And so first the jar represented Adam, and then the jar represented Jesus. And we were in Adam, and that meant, remember, whatever was true of the jar was true of Porky when he was in the jar, right? So if the jar was on the ground, Porky was on the ground, right? If he was in the jar, it was, but not if he wasn't in the jar, right? Okay, so, okay guys, watch me. You have to check my theology, remember? You're my, uh, you're my reference guy. Okay, so... When we are in Adam, which all of us are because we are all natural descendants from our first parents, Adam and Eve, and Adam sinned against God, right? And so because Adam sinned and we are in Adam, what does that say about us? We sinned. Yeah, we were born in sin. So we don't have to wait till we're 5 or 20 or 50 to be sinners. We're sinners right from the very beginning. And that's bad news. And what are the wages of sin? Death. Death. So we're all, by nature, where are you going? Right there? Okay. This is the splash zone right here, though, so be careful. Sit down. Right there. Right there. Ready? Okay. Now, can you watch me from there? You're going to get a crick in your neck. I think you were probably better over there, but that's all right. Okay, all right. You're repositioning yourself. Okay. Everybody hold still. Now, don't move a muscle except your mouth. Because your eyes are on me and nobody's moving. All you have to do is move your mouth. Okay, now, when the jar represented Jesus, and we were talking about us being in Jesus, what did Jesus do? Did Jesus sin against God? No. It is uncomfortable. Well, back up a little bit. No, you made me freeze Oh, yeah. Oh, you don't want to freeze that way? Okay, freeze that way. All right. Um, so Jesus obeyed God perfectly. He was a faithful, loving son of his Father. He did the Father's will. And it was the Father's will that Jesus do what for sinful people like us? What? Died on the cross, right. So even when it came to dying on the cross, turn around, watch me. You know the drill. You keep your eye on me, okay? Where'd the snake come from? 
Yeah. All right. Don't change the subject. We're still on last night's lesson. We haven't even got to tonight's lesson yet. So, okay. Jesus died on the cross. So, because we are in Christ, our sins are pardoned, and we have not death, but what? Eternal life. Right. And so, those are the blessings that come from being in Christ. And I mentioned last night that our baptism... How many of you have been baptized? Okay, all right. Our baptism signifies and seals... Okay, you can put your hands down. That union with Christ and all that it means for us. So it reminds us that we are sinners who are under the curse of God, but we are also in Christ... And therefore, we have the hope of righteousness and eternal life. Now, we've got to go on from there now. That was just sort of introduction. Remember, we're talking about being saints, being the children of God who are growing up, growing up to be more and more mature boys and girls, and finally men and women who are going to love the Lord God and serve Him and trust in Him as long as we live. So we're going to talk about the growing up part now. And in thinking about that, I was thinking, do you ever think about, you know that Jesus was born as a little baby in Bethlehem. Everybody know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. But you know, we think about that, and we don't, we don't think about Him being a child like us very often. But you know, Jesus was a one-year-old, and He was a two-year-old. I mean, kind of think about this, the, the Son of God had to learn how to crawl. Yeah, he did. Just like you. And the Son of God had to learn how to walk. And I'm guessing that at times in Nazareth, as the Son of God was learning to walk, sometimes he tripped and he fell down flat on his face. Did you do that when you were learning how to walk? Yes. And the Son of God learned every moment of every day throughout His life more and more about His Heavenly Father. But of course, He already knew His Heavenly Father, right? Because He was God. Yeah, you've got to keep on me here. Pay attention, okay? Well, you know, I know the song says that Jesus, no crying, he made. But do you buy that? I bet you when little baby Jesus was hungry, he cried just like every other baby. Because how would his mom know he was hungry if he didn't say something and he couldn't talk yet? He was just a little baby. Then he got to be eight years old and ten years old. And then he got to be... 15 or 16, do you think maybe Jesus got pimples on his face like some 16-year-old boys do? Then he very No, he never got to be very old because he died on the cross when he was only 33 years old, right? So he was a young man. The point of all of that is that he grew up learning what it meant to be a child of the covenant, even though at the same time he was God himself in the flesh. Something very interesting. Remember when Jesus hung on the... Yes, you have a question. I've never read this in the Bible, but how do people know the age of Christ? 
well, we figure it out because we're told that when he began his public ministry, he was 30 years old. Luke tells us that. And then we just add the number of years of his public ministry, which was about three years more or less, and that's how we come up with 30. So it's a little uh, mathematical computation we have to do there. <clears throat> when Jesus was dying on the cross, you remember? It got very, very dark. And when he hung there, he finally cried out one of the things that he said from the cross. He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You remember that? Maybe you haven't heard too much about that yet. But that was, the, that was the, the darkest, darkest hour in the life of our Lord Jesus while He was on the earth. And when He cried that out, He wasn't just making that up out of His own mind. He was quoting from one of the Psalms. Psalm 22. And the beginning verse of Psalm 22 is just that phrase. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But here's the point. Later on in that psalm, and I think that Jesus had the psalms all memorized. He knew them all by heart. Is that and so, Is that what? Is that psalm? My God, my God. Yeah, there's a setting of, the, of that psalm in, in the hymn book. Yeah, yeah. So when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't just quoting that verse, but he had that whole psalm in mind. And in that psalm, there's verses. Well, let me read them to you. Can you listen very carefully? Listen to these verses. Um, I should have brought my bigger Bible. Yes. Yeah, here it is. Verse, uh, I can't read the number, but here's what the words say. <clears throat> yet you, and he's talking to God, yet you are he who took me from the womb, when he was in his mommy's tummy, in Mary's tummy, you took me from the womb, you made me trust you at my mother's breast. So when she was feeding him, when he was nursing, when he was a little baby, on you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. In the it sounds like exactly, he re, when he was dying. He remembered from when he was a baby. And the important thing he remembered was that as far back as he could remember as a man, God had always been his God, his faithful helper and keeper. And in that respect, in many ways, Jesus is very, very different from us. But in that respect, he's very much like us. He grew up learning day by day what it meant to love and trust the Heavenly Father and to do His will as a 5-year-old and as a 10-year-old and as a 15-year-old and finally as a 33-year-old. As He hung on that cross, He was still doing the Father's will because He loved the Father and He loved us so very much. And that's worth remembering, that as we grow up, Jesus wasn't like the first Adam and started out as a full-grown man. He came into the world as a baby, and He experienced all of the things that we experience. And so He was tempted to sin, just like you and I are. But you know, the temptation for a two- or a three-year-old is different from the temptation from a twenty-year-old. And just imagine, maybe Jesus and one of his brothers were playing one day, and Jesus was tempted to be selfish and stingy with their toys. 
But unlike us, when he was tempted to be selfish, he resisted the temptation, and he was self-giving even when he was young. Oh, you still don't think he did any crying, huh? Okay, well, we'll work on that one. Okay, yeah. I just read Psalm 22. Yes, it's from Psalm 22. All right. So we can be encouraged as we grow up and as we grow in the Lord that Jesus experienced the same kinds of struggles, the same kinds of temptations, but He never ever sinned But that means that He can always help us, no matter how old we are, in whatever situation that we're in. The book of Hebrews tells us that He is able to sympathize with us. So you know when you do something wrong, and you get spanked, and then you do it again, and you get spanked, and pretty soon you say, why do I keep doing this? Jesus knows what it's like to experience that kind of temptation. But he resisted sin. So you can say, Jesus, remember when you were five? Jesus, do you remember when you were ten and what you went through? Well, I'm going through that right now. Will you please help me to trust in you and to obey your will? So, that's a good prayer. You're right about that. And Jesus will encourage us all along the way. Now, I started with baptism because I want us to think about how baptism helps us remember the kinds of things that we need to remember in order to grow up in grace. How many of you, I asked you this last night, just let me review. How many of you were baptized when you were tiny, tiny babies, so you don't remember anything about it, okay? Have your parents ever told you about that day? No. Told you the story of that day? Yeah? Yes? No? Some have, some have? Okay, sort of. Did they take pictures of that day? Yeah. Have you seen pictures? <clears throat> okay. Oh, well. All right then. Just in case you're not the only one, I want you to ask your your moms and dads tonight to tell you the story of the day that you were baptized. Now, they probably don't have pictures with them here at camp. So when you get home, ask them if they took any pictures that day so that you can begin to remember that day even though you don't remember it from when it happened. I mean, I don't know whether little infants ever remember that far back. My dad remembers some things that happened to him when he was three or four, but I don't know whether everybody can do that. But even that, not that young. Okay, so... Part of your family story, part of your personal story, is that day and that event. Now, why is that important? Well, for that, yes? Yeah, you're supposed to obey Him instead of Satan. But, the thing is, a lot of us know what's right and wrong. Our parents teach us what's right and wrong. But the question is, how can we learn to do what is right. The only way we can obey God is by trusting in Him, believing His promises, and then acting in accordance with what we believe. And that means we have to keep learning things about God. So, let me ask you a question. Why don't you all look very closely at my hands? Okay? You can stop looking at my eyes for a moment and look at my hands instead. Okay? How many hands do I have? Two. 
Well, my, you... All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I have two hands and ten what? Fingers. Okay. Now, what else? What else do you notice about my hands? Feel my hands. Are they rough or are they smooth? They're, I know they're cold and clammy, but what are, are they smooth? Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Stop. 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 So, having smooth hands, that means I probably don't work with my hands in hard work, like digging ditches or making what? Making houses, yeah, hammering. I used to do those kinds of jobs, and when I did those jobs, I had really torn up hands, you know. So I have smooth hands because most of what I do now is tight. Well, that's a different story. Let's save that story for another day, okay? So, you know that I have smooth hands. Now, there's something else that you might notice. What about my fingernails? Short and nicely clipped and manicured? No, stubby. I hate to admit it, but I still bite my fingernails sometimes. I don't, I don't recommend it, but it's a hard habit to break. Now, if you look at this side of my hands, what do you see? <laughs> Wrinkles, yes, and... Okay, one at a time, one at a time. I have some freckles. Freckles, right. I have hair, yes. And I have big, I have big bulgy veins. See these big bulgy veins? Used to be, I used to have to go to the hospital sometimes, and the nurses like to see these big veins because when they have to stick a needle in there, it's easy for them to find it. So they were... No, let me tell you something. Also what? Oh, pink stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of rough. Okay, one more thing about my hands. What do you think? Uh, okay, they, they're hairy. Yes, we covered that. Yes, sir. Uh, I have knuckles, yes. Okay. Bones, yes. But let's think outside the box, not inside the box. A ring, yes. On oh, my finger, right here, yes. Very good. Now, let me ask you this. Do you know why I have this ring on here? Why? You got married. Wait, I asked her to answer. Is that what you were going to say? Because I got married, and we talked about that last night, right? They gave us some beautiful flowers. Been married 34 years yesterday. It's my wedding ring, right? It's my wedding ring. Now, I want you to think about this wedding ring a little bit, because a wedding ring is kind of like baptism. When my wife and I got married 34 years ago, in the ceremony when we made our vows to each other, after that was over, I gave her a ring that was smaller than this one. And she gave me this ring. It's actually got the date written inside. And so we put those rings on our fingers so that we would always remember that we're married to one another. Now, if I just had this ring, you know, I could go to a jewelry store and I could buy this ring. And if I put it on my finger, would that make me married? No. No, no. But people would think you're married. 
They'd think I was married, right? And it might make me feel pretty good to have a wedding ring. But if I just go down to the jewelry store and buy a wedding ring, put it on my finger, I am not married. Did that really happen? No, I... No, it didn't really happen. (laughs) Okay, okay. Quiet down a minute. But, now, if I didn't have this... Oh, I can't keep getting this on. It's going to have to stay now. If I didn't have this ring on, would I still be married anyway? Right. Some people get married and they don't have wedding rings. They don't have to. There's not a law that says you have to have a wedding ring. If you go through the ceremony and it's properly authorized and it gets recorded in the county clerk's office, then you're married whether you have a ring or not. Well, think about this. Hmm? Oh, yeah, okay. Your theology is slipping. Yes. Oh, yeah, some daddies lose their rings, and some mommies lose their rings. Before, before Mrs. Wagner and I were married, one time she lost her engagement ring, and that was a, that was a sad day for a while. But thankfully, she found it again, and so all was well. Okay, now, let's, let's not get too far off the track here. What I want you to think about is this. If the wedding ring is a sign of me being married, baptism, we said, is a sign of our belonging to Christ. All by itself, baptism doesn't make us belong to Christ. And we could belong to Christ without being baptized. But the sign... The wedding ring and being married go together. And baptism and belonging to Jesus and growing up in Jesus go together. The value of this, and this is why Jesus gave us baptism as well. You see, Jesus didn't have to invent baptism, but he wanted to give us something that we could remember over and over and over again that would remind us that we are not our own, that we belong to Him, that He is our Savior and our King, and that we need to live a life of trusting and obeying Him. So, you know, a lot of times I don't think about this wedding ring. When I first wore it, I wasn't used to wearing a ring, and it felt kind of heavy and funny, but now I don't even notice it. And, but every once in a while I'm typing along on the computer, and I see it there, and it reminds me, I belong to my wife, I belong to Sherry. And she belongs to me. And then I can type on again because I remember that I belong to her. And, and as you begin to think about your baptism, even if you don't remember the day, but now your moms and dads are going to tell you the story, they're going to show you the pictures, they're going to tell you what it was like, and you can remember that day. So that when you're facing, let's say, temptation, you can remember that you belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to you. Yes? How can you remember to tell them? Well, I think they've been listening to us, so they'll probably remember. What? So even if you forget to ask, they'll tell you anyway. Okay? And they'll show you the pictures if they have pictures. <clears throat> so, listen, the larger catechism tells us that we need to remember our baptism as a reminder all the time, but especially in times of temptation, 
And sometimes, you, if you don't remember your own baptismal day, I bet you there have been other babies that have been baptized in your church and you have been old enough to watch, right? So you've seen it done. The water poured on them and the pastor says, I baptize you into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And they pray for the child and they ask the mommy and daddy to make promises about how they're going to raise that child. So you can, you can see how your own baptism was as you watch the baptism of others. But it's not that baptism by itself is so important, except as that reminds you of who you are and what God has promised you and what God expects of you. So the things that we were talking about last night that baptism signifies that we're sinners, that we need forgiveness, that Jesus died on the cross to bring that forgiveness, that we're dead to sin and alive to Christ. These are all things that as we grow up we need to keep thinking about over and over and over again because they're going to shape the way we think about ourselves and the way we live our lives. Now you all know that song, Trust and Obey? You know why they invented that song? Because it reminds us of what the Christian life involves. Trust is another word for faith. And we begin our life with God by faith. We rest in Jesus for all that we need as sinners, all that He provides as a Savior, and then we live by faith every moment of every day. The Bible says the just, God's people, will live by faith. But faith, all by itself, is not what God expects of us. He wants us to trust Him and then live on the basis of that faith, and that's obeying. And so, it's not just your parents sitting down and telling you the rules. That's comparatively easy, although you may not think so. But learning what's right and wrong is comparatively easy. But being able to respond to those things from the heart. That's the hard part. And that's why we need to remember always who we are, what Jesus did for us, and what Jesus will continue to do in us by His Holy Spirit. And then when we live, whether we live to be 33 years old like Jesus, or whether we learn, live to be 56 years old like me, or if we live to be 80 or 90 years old like some of our grandmas and grandpas, Maybe even a hundred if we're very strong, yes? If we live a long life, we'll be able to look way back to the very beginning, just like Jesus did when he was hanging on the cross. We can look way back to the very beginning and say, God has always been my God. His Son Jesus has always been my Savior. I've trusted in Him even from when I was a little baby, and He has always been faithful to me, and so I'm going to live a life that pleases Him. And that's how, as they say, we improve on our baptism. We mature, we grow. And baptism is a good thing to remind us of that, just like this ring reminds me that I belong to my wife and she belongs to me. So, now we're going to pray, aren't we? Yes, let's pray. And ask God to help us to remember these things that we studied tonight. Then we're going to sing another song. Okay? Yay! Let's pray.
Lord God, we thank you that you have not made it hard for us to understand and to believe in you. You have made the message concerning your Son very, very simple. And you have given us signs like baptism and the Lord's Supper, the water and the bread and the wine, to remind us of what you have done for us in Christ and what you will continue to do in our lives. And I pray for these little ones, these saints under construction, that you would help them to begin to become aware that they are baptized, that they have a place in the church, and that that baptism signifies the death of Christ for them and the cleansing that can come and the resurrection to newness of life. And that they'll remember that Jesus gave us this sign so that we can have a constant reminder of His love and faithfulness to to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you experienced all of the stages of life that we do, whether we're very young or whether we're older, and that you were tempted in the same ways like we are, and yet you never sinned. And therefore, you're able to be a sympathetic high priest when we call upon you for help. And I pray, O Lord, that you would help the parents of these young ones to remind their children of of what you have done. And on the basis of your grace to them, will you please, Holy Spirit, work in them an answering faith and obedience that will walk with you in the ways of your commandments. We thank you, Lord God, that, uh, that Jesus loves us and that we can embrace that love by faith and respond to it by loving you who first loved us. And we pray these things with thankful hearts in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. All right. The song is, and you probably have to go find the hymnal where your parents are, I Am So Glad That Jesus Loves Me, number 647. Go find the hymnal, so if you can read anyway, you can sing this song. But you can all sing the chorus, very simple. I am so glad that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves even me. Okay, let's sing it. 647. 647. You want to sit down over here and I'll hold the book for you? You probably can't read yet. Can you read? Okay, well, we'll work on the chorus, okay? I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Though I forget him and wander away, still he doth love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms do I flee when I remember that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me.
only one song I can sing. When in his beauty I see the great King, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Abigail. You're both Abigail.